part of my journey is to liberate myself from the conditioning that sex is not spiritual and that sex is not sacred. When in reality, sex is the most spiritual thing I can do to be that vulnerable and naked in every way with another person is the most intimate thing I can do. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show that celebrates spiritual diversity, one truth, and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, the spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome to season two, episode two, and today I am thrilled to be bringing back one of my most listened to guests from season one, Amy Jindra. For those of you that didn't catch her first episode, Amy is a powerful Tantra teacher, a sacred sexuality coach, an intuitive, an author, and artist who is passionate about sharing sacred sexuality and the healing that it can bring through Tantra. As I said, she is the author of two beautiful poetry books, and her newest book called Be With Me is actually now available on Amazon. That is completely new since the last episode that I did with her, so please make sure that you take some time to check out that book. It is filled with poetry, and it is just so gorgeous. Um, So as always, I've included a link in the show notes below, and you can check that out. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the title that you are probably reading on your screen, and I assure you that that title is absolutely correct. So as a heads up, today's topic may not be considered appropriate for the workplace or the little ears in the room, but that is up to you. In this episode, Amy and I are discussing how you can heal forms of trauma and shame and other energies through the use of the root chakra. And in order to chat about the root chakra, we dive into the uncensored topic of anal sex. This conversation is very casual, super respectful, and very deeply inspiring. As always, Amy floats through the conversation with such grace, and I am thankful for her every word. So go ahead and get comfortable, because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here's my conversation with Amy Jindra. All right, so welcome back, Amy. I am so, so, so excited to have you here. Um, Thank you, first and foremost, for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really love and enjoy your podcast. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So we've already introduced you to the guests. Everyone already knows who you are because I can guarantee you they listen to your episode. It is one of my most listened to episodes. (laughs) Um, So I'm super excited to have you back on season two and I don't want to hold back. I'm just going to dive right into exactly what happened. Okay. I asked you, Hey, would you be interested in being on season two? And you responded with a message I was not prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) You said to me, I would love to do an episode about finding God through anal sex. Yes. <laughs> and my, I think I sent like 10 head explosion emojis. And my response was, okay. But really I meant, what, how, what do I say? What, how do I respond to that? <laughs> so I'm just going to rip off the bandaid and I'm going to let you dive right into what the heck does that mean? Well, um, let me take you on a journey with some words so we're not ripping anything. You don't have to rip off the Band-Aid. So I work um, in a similar structure of most Eastern philosophies of the chakra system. So in Kundalini Tantra, which is the structure that I teach in, Um, We focus on eight chakras and the first being Muladhara, which is our root. It's the chakra that everyone's born into. And it's like the way that my teacher described it was really practical where your first chakra, you're born. It's on, it's, it's there. You're here. It's our survival. Mm. It's our humanity, our primal body. Um, it's a lot of our deep nervous system that controls our fight, flight, or freeze responses. Um, and I was finding in spirituality that um, I was, you know, I just on this path, I'm not very aware of different philosophies, but I was tagged pretty early on as a shadow worker. And I was like, 
okay, I have a Christian background. Like I was raised very strict Christian. I was just like, so to me that indicated like something evil or something dark. And Mm. I really had to look at it and say, wait, actually the shadow is our unconscious. And coming from like a Jungian perspective that it's, it's just whatever's there. It's not good or bad. There's not these evil thoughts that run through us, but a lot of our uh, impulses, patterning, um, a lot of the things that are kind of behind the scenes that you're like, man, I feel stuck. Why am I in this pattern? Why am I so um, go, like going around and around in circles? And a lot of times that comes from our root. Um, where if we struggle with survival, basic survival or feeling connected to our life, our humanity, our bodies, um, that's all root chakra type of relations. Mm. And I teach Kundalini Tantra. So there is no abstraction. There's no idea that's loftier than your body. All you have to do is pay attention to your body and feel and you'll get the information. Your body is holding onto this information and through meditation and through practices, um, you always have the information there. And with shadow work, quote unquote, um, what's happening is you're staying in your body, you're staying present and sentient, and basically you're balancing out the hemispheres of our brain. So in our left hemisphere of our brain, we are high functioning. We're judging. We are putting things into categories. Um, It's a lot of, in the Western world, the productivity structure comes from our left brain and the right brain is our experience. It's when we heal ourselves and self-regulate our systems. Um, And it's also less structured thinking. It's creative. Um, It's also the feminine. So with that being said, you um, we now have to practice slowing down, feeling our body, staying present. Um, and through these practices, what happens is things that are in our subconscious will automatically come to the surface. And through meditation, through breath work, through asana, um, there's just a few of the practices that I teach that really allows you to dig into these places that are hidden. And maybe it's a memory that got locked into your body of an underlying thread of, I'm not safe to speak up, or it's not, I'm not good. If maybe we were punished and shamed or something happened and just got locked into our systems and we're operating as adults now with these beliefs. And we're like, wow, where did we get these beliefs from? And Mm -hmm. that's my work. That's what I love to do. And when that purging process happens, it's not always sexual, but so many of the time that we are looking at where we're holding on to shame or guilt or conditioning, not necessarily a full expression of our soul, but of the people and the ideas and the structures that are around us at a young age, we take that on. And this deconditioning process, um, there's a space in there of our sexuality and it's all connected. So we hold shame, we hold guilt from religion, from society, from our neighborhood, from porn, however, wherever we got our ideas and belief systems from the external, um, we hold it. And if we have that shame or that guilt attached to our roots, it's actually manifests in our body, our thought processes, our emotions. And through these practices, you can start to unlock that. And one thing that I love about Tantra, and it's the lineage of Tantra that I study and that I practice is the left-hand path, where you literally, if there's, <laughs> if there's something that's holding you back, you take a piece of that poison And in order to heal yourself and free yourself. So for instance, Mm. if you are addicted to sex, 
or it's, um, it's ruling you, then you would take it to a ceremony and maybe you would have sex in ceremony, or maybe you meditate and you visualize, um, an elevated consciousness of you and the universe making love. And sex is something that we don't have a healthy sexual education. Um, We don't have safe places to express ourselves and explore because not a lot of people know what they like, what they don't like, who they really are, where their energy travels. And sexual energy is our life force energy. It's where babies come from, but it's also our life force. It's something we can grow and that we can expand and harness and move. And for me growing up, I, like I said, I was, I grew up Jehovah's Witness, super religious. And I mean, I wasn't even allowed to say the word butthole without getting whipped in my house. So, and it was a clear message of the women who are mild and meek and take care of their husbands were celebrated. Oh, what a good woman. She's so good because she's quiet and obedient. And then there's me who I was not obedient and explorative and I love pushing boundaries and testing things. And it was a clear like, Hey, no, that's wrong. Act differently. And whenever we hold shame in our body of there's something wrong with me, that becomes this place of vulnerability. So we're less likely to seek help or support or education because we're like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And so if we've had sexual abuse or been in situations where we're like, something was wrong, I didn't feel good, I don't feel safe. If we've been taught over and over and over again, there's something wrong with me. And then we're in a situation that is clearly something that our parents wouldn't accept or we wouldn't talk about publicly or without shame, then we're already like, I did something wrong and then something bad happened. And now I really, really can't talk about it. And it's adding another layer of shame of there's something wrong with me. So that is so important for me to speak up and I'll take you, I'll take you further into the journey of why that ties into anal sex. But so often we have these predisposed beliefs of there's something wrong with me or that's wrong, that's dirty. And then we're put into a bad situation and we can't fight back. We can't speak up. We can't even think consciously. Sometimes if it's something as intimate as sex and we go into fight, flight, or freeze, then we're really just adding another layer if there's something wrong with me because this happened and I got hurt or this person Mm -hmm. went too far, but I didn't speak up. It was my fault. And having these conversations um, is a way, a huge way to not only heal our past and heal our trauma and our shame, but to prevent it going forward, to provide just the ease and the comfort of, hey, you have a body it's, it's good. It's actually the vessel for our consciousness and it's not impure. So I did a lot of research growing up around the idea of purity because I was raised religious and that's such a huge theme is purity. Like how do I become pure, purify me? And believe me, I, I think I've been baptized twice. Like I went around, I went around the world looking for purification. Who's going to purify me? I think whether that is in ritual or with divination or, um, with food, it was like, how can I become pure? And I could finally relax when I realized, um, through studying and through my practice Purity is simply when I do something with my soul. And if my soul is not in it, then it becomes impure. And it's true because then anything can be medicine and anything can be poison. And when it's done from my soul, then I trust that. It's not there to hurt me. It's not an addiction. It's not an impulse. 
It's just an expression of who I am. And that is included in sex. And so whether you're talking about doing yoga, whether you're talking about reading scripture, or you're talking about having sex, there's no separation. It can be medicine or it can be poison. And unfortunately, there's not a safe place to learn about your body and about the why we have sex, why it's enjoyable, other than what we were taught of like procreation. Like mm-hmm. there's actually a function for pleasure. And in anal sex specifically, there's so much taboo around it. It's dirty. It's where there's so much bacteria there. Or what if there's a smell? There's so much shame around it. Um, But on a few different levels, it's actually can be very spiritual. It can be very holy. And it can be an expression instead of something naughty that we do and get high off of it can be an expression of love. It can be an expression of relief. It can be an expression of the divine. You can use it as a meditation. And what I love about tapping into my roots is what I call anal play for me. Um, My root chakra work is because it's so visceral. It's undeniable whenever we feel something in our body. And um, what I love about sex is that there's energy behind it. Shakti is our sexual energy as well as our life force energy. And it's clearing energy. So automatically when we're tapping into our body, opening to feel, and we're moving this energy on a, a healing level, we're getting that movement. We're clearing. We're able to purge. We're able to discover. We're able to open. And in Tantra, um, when you come to a place of practice and bringing your sexuality um, as an offering, it's almost as if sex becomes a prayer. And I think that that's really beautiful. I was never taught anything along those lines. And when it came to anal sex specifically, I was just like, oh no, like that (laughs) that, does a lot for me. Um, And especially I think, and I can't speak for LGBTQ and I can't speak for men who enjoy anal pleasure because I'm a woman. Um, But I see the shame. I see the... um, the stigma around it of, oh, it's a feminine way if you're receiving or it's kinky if you're giving. And it's just like, or it's none of those. It's just another way to tap into our primal body. And it's another way to connect and feel pleasure. And what I love about root chakra work or anal play is that it puts me into my primal body. It resets my nervous system. It allows me to access the deepest parts of me. And if I'm holding anything there, it's going to come out. And not in a violent way, but in a very beautiful way. Because it's almost as if, hey, I'm curious. Like, am I holding any pain? Am I holding stress? Um, Whenever we get cortisol in our body, which is a stress hormone, our eyes think sphincters um, start to pull and shrink and our jaw gets tight, our digestion slows down and our anal sphincter literally gets really tight. Mm -hmm. So even the preparation to enjoy anal sex of relaxing, of opening, of surrendering is already having these effects on our body of calming down and clearing out that neurotoxin and replacing it with like serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin. And for me, I, I had to explore myself fully. Um, I was teaching, I was teaching about anal play. I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like textbook here, here you go. Here's all the steps. But in my body, 
I was still like, yeah, haven't hit that final frontier. <laughs> I was just like, that's just kind of, I was like, oh, that's a lot for me. Um, because I had had bad experiences. And I think for many people, body hair, smell, sweat, noises that we make can be so terrifying. And until we start to tap into our body and reclaim our animal nature, our sexuality, really start to to have self-love in that deep way and not in a way of like, oh, I love myself. And I write little affirmations and I put it everywhere, but it's like, no, do you feel it? Do you have compassion for your body? Do you allow it to give you the information that you need? Like something as simple as do I eat when I want, when I feel like it, or do I eat something because I should eat kale and I should pack in this much protein and I should do this and I should do that. It's like, well, what is your body, body actually saying? What is it that you really need? And when we start to flip that intuitively, we know what we need. And just in even sexually, we know what we need. We just need to feel safe expressing that, exploring that, staying curious. Um, and that's why slowing down and providing a container to explore is so important. And then you can really go as deep as you want or as playful as you want or and find different combinations of creativity to express your sexuality and your desire. Um, for me, I know the first time that I ever engaged in ass play, I was in high school and I was so ashamed of my body hair. I was nervous. Um, I already knew that it was naughty. Like any kind of sexual contact was just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bad girl. I'm a loose woman, like whatever. Mm. And I held that and it was always in the back of my mind or the next day, the guilt, anytime I would feel pleasure I'd feel that guilt. And I remember I was parked outside of my sister's house in like this Toyota Tercel with my boyfriend who's in a band and super dreamy. And we were having sex at like a really weird angle because we're in a car, in the backseat of a car. Never the best place, but got it. <laughs> or the best place. Or the best. <laughs> Depending. Um, and he slipped from my vagina into my asshole accidentally. And I was like, ah, and I just screamed. And I was like, wrong hole, wrong hole. And I didn't even like acknowledge him. I just left the car and like waddled into the house and I curled up in the fetal position and I cried. And then I went to the bathroom and I was like, did I shit myself? Like, or am I bleeding? Like what just happened? It was so red hot pain. And on top of that, I was just like, I was just in shock. I was like, oh no, that's disgusting. I can't believe I accidentally did that. And that was my experience my only experience as far with anal sex. And then I would have boyfriends who would try to touch my asshole or play in it or whatever. And I was just like, Oh no, like we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like accident only, please. That's so funny. And I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's so um, interesting because like you mentioned earlier, I mean, it's obviously very different um, for, uh, female and male bodies. Um, so it's just such an interesting concept to me as a male, um, as a gay male, especially to hear someone say like, Oh, just accidentally happened. Um, <laughs> because there's not really an opportunity for that, um, to just kind of accidentally happen with a male partner. So it's just really interesting. Um, I'm just sitting over here thinking about like, Oh my goodness, for someone for that to be like your first experience, I know that like first experience when you're prepared for it mm -hmm. is not simple. Like, it's just not like, a, okay, I'm ready. I've prepared for this. So it's going to be fine. Um, mm -hmm. Like that's just the fact about it. It's just, it, there is like stress. So um, I just feel the need to be like, I'm so sorry that that happened. <laughs> Cause I just can't imagine the shock. It's just, uh, 
More heard like jaw open, surprised. That's my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that compassionate <laughs> response. Um, and it's something that I'm neutral about. I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm disgusted. Now I look at it and I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like I had no preparation. Of course that was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I was like shut down from any kind of ass play for for a very long time. And what I know in myself is my root tends to get blocked pretty easily. And it's something that I, I don't say that I struggle with it, but I am very aware of it. And I make sure that I have practices in place so that I do feel safe and I'm not just in survival mode or hypervigilant of, is there any threats around me? Am I in danger? Am I okay? Um, Would you mind um, just really quickly, actually, because I think that there may be some listeners who are kind of familiar with the chakra system on like a super basic level. Um, Obviously, at this point, we've established kind of location for root chakra. (laughs) But can you just really quickly kind of go over some of the things it like governs over or that like are kind of held within the root chakra? Yeah, absolutely. So our root chakra is from our tailbone all the way to our toes. And you can access a bundle of nerves that is um, pretty key to a lot of our nervous system through our anal sphincter. Um, And you can also start to activate it through your pelvic floor as well. So men and women can do pelvic floor exercises. Um, Squats are really amazing for alignment and strengthening of your root chakra and also releasing old stagnant energy. Um, And in our root, it's about fear. um, And on the other side of that, it's that I am connected. I am a human. I am alive. And feeling that connection in your body that you are a person. There's um, different expressions in each of the chakras. And in our roots, it can be fear or it can be um, existence of like, wow, I'm a human. I'm here. I'm meant to be here. I have a purpose. And just that relaxation of I'm safe. And we know that there may be I don't want to use the term blockage, but right now I don't have a better word for it, but something that may hinder us feeling fully expressed in our safety, Mm -hmm. in our body. Um, So our root has a lot to do with being connected to our body, um, staying in our body, where if we've experienced trauma, we tend to leave the body and we live in the astral realms or in this dreamy space or we overthink because that's what we've been taught is safer than being in our body because we've probably been hurt or had a moment um, where we didn't feel safe. And evolutionary, on a scale of how we're built as humans, um, if we've had a moment of fear or trauma that gets locked into our bodies, it creates a neuropathway of a a cycle that loops around of a thought process to keep us alive. Um, However, we don't really live in a world where we wake up and we're going to die. There's not animals (laughs) around us to shred us. We're not running out of water. Um, There's just not the kind of threats around us that we are wired for. So what that looks like is maybe um, you have a memory or an experience when you were little of your parents yelling at you and you felt like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm just like, this is it. This is death. I'm, I'm not safe. And you kind of spin out of control and you get overwhelmed. And Then you get married and you're like, man, every time my partner yells at me, I shut down. I get so shut down. I can't even think straight and I can't even formulate an answer of how I feel because I don't know how I feel because I'm not in my body. And that is a response to something that happened a really long time ago and it's still in your body. And that's just one example. 
That makes a lot of sense. That's um, actually really great. And what I love the most is that you said that the root chakra is like, I am connected, I am human. And then you also said it was existence. So I was like, I'm jotting down notes because I always love everything you say and I read back on it over and over. And so I accidentally wrote like human existence right next to each other and it clicked in my head like, oh, the root chakra literally is your human existence, which is what she's been saying this whole time. It's that animal primal. It's like getting back to that. Yeah. And it's something that no matter what religion we're in or whatever ideologies that we subscribe to, um, there has been such an emphasis on transcending the body of having heavenly thoughts and being all about peace and love over experiencing life as a human. (laughs) And we actually need both in order to have fully expressed um, moments of peace and of joy and of love that are lasting and are honest and authentic. We have to embrace our body. We have to embrace our humanity. And I think that we get lost in that sometimes. It's almost like sometimes I hear of people who are into spirituality and they're like, oh, I unlocked this chakra. I'm on to the next one. I'm like, it's not Super Mario Brothers. Like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't level up and like win the castle. Yeah, you're not going to win the man in the six figures and the Bentley and the seaside house because you chanted this mantra and worked on this chakra. That's not how that that's not how it works yeah and it's certainly not a one and done kind of task it's not just like well i you know i did my throat chakra two years ago and i never had to touch it again like what (laughs) yeah exactly and what i really want people to understand is that there's there's nobody who is perfect or above it. And even spiritual masters that I have worked with that are, have born into the lineage and passed down that divination so easily and beautifully, like spirit just works through these people. They're humans. They're still Mm -hmm. people. They still have problems and issues, whether that's health problems, emotional issues, anger issues, whatever. Like everybody is a human and it's not to dominate. It's not to um, have an idea of perfection. It's to go, wow, who am I? And really take off these layers of labels and conditions and experiences and really come from a place of who we really are on our soul level. And your soul lives in your heart. And that's what I believe is our soul is in our, like the physical manifestation is in our heart. And that's the most honest of who we really are is when we access our heart. And you can't live from that space of love and expression if you're in survival mode, if you're afraid, if you're in fear most of the time. And what that is an indication of is explore, open, like really look at where your fear lies and play in your fear. Go, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of this and start to write out what you're afraid of. And when you do that, you could look at it and go, oh, I'm afraid of that. That's not logical. Why do I feel so much fear around this? And you hopefully have some sort of practice, whether that is yoga or meditation or some kind of practice that connects you back to yourself over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, because on a physical and psychological level, you're calming down your nervous system, which automatically sends signals to your body of, Oh, I'm safe. Like, and also to your brain, your body signals back to your brain all the time and they're dancing and playing with each other. They are connected completely and saying, oh, I'm safe. I'm okay. And if you can return to a practice that brings you back, that gives you that safety and calms down your nervous system, then that's how you overcome fear. That's how you're like, wow, 
I'm really afraid of that. And instead of having the physical reaction of contraction or of pain or of shallow breathing and shutting down, you can stay present, you can open and you can feel. And Mm -hmm. one way that I love to do that is with breath work. Breath work is one of the simplest ways to calm down your nervous system, to stay in your body. And we talk about yoga quite a bit and yoga isn't about stress relief. It does relieve stress because it's all about calming down your nervous system so you can expand. Um, And when we do that, I think a lot of marketing nowadays is, oh, hey, like everybody has stress. Come get de-stressed. And it's just like, you know what yoga is though? It's like a rebellion against structure and society. So when you start on that path, you're already going to start to lose that conditioning of what you should be and what you should do. So say if, for instance, you have just a horrible boss who stresses you out and you're working way too many hours and you're like, oh, I'm going to go to yoga after work so that I can calm down and I can be stress-free. What it's going to do is strengthen your musculature and start to remove some of those layers around your belief system of why are you a martyr? Why do you overwork? Why do you put yourself through that? And that's the liberation. It's in the changed action. It's not in the relief of symptoms. It's in the, oh, you know what? I'm going to go after another career that allows me more freedom in my time and my space. I'm going to make changes in my life so that I do enjoy it where I'm connected and in my body. And I'm also expressing who I am in some way. And that doesn't always look like an entrepreneur, but it does look like joy in that area of your life or some type of reward that doesn't kill you or hurt you in some way. Um, yeah. It's things like that that always remind me like, oh yeah, Amy was going to be a pastor because I'm over here like, preach it. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Talk about that boss. Talk about that yoga class <laughs> I should have taken this morning. <laughs> I hear you. I got it. Yeah. And that's that's the liberation. That's why I practice is for liberation. And part of my journey is to liberate myself from the conditioning that sex is not spiritual and that sex is not sacred. When in reality, sex is the most spiritual thing I can do to be that vulnerable and naked in every way with another person is the most intimate thing I can do. And with that, creating the space for it to be sacred is, has changed my life. And what I held in my body around anal sex specifically was that it wasn't spiritual. It was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's dirty, it's animalistic, it's hedonistic, whatever connotations that people may hold around it. I was like, oh, no, we don't do that. And... <laughs> What, how I overcame that fear and actually learned to find God in it um, was through my nervous system, was calming down my nervous system, making sure that I was relaxed and open and in a beautiful space. So our environment has a huge effect on our nervous system. So I was lighting candles, incense, and even smell, I don't think we realize is is actually really important. It connects Mm -hmm. us to our root chakra. They're directly connected. It's that animalistic part of ourselves. And working with your root, you might find that, hey, my my nose is actually more sensitive now. Um, So feeling safe in your body is key. And being sentient, feeling, coming back to yourself, whether that's through your practice or just something that's allows you to just feel calm and sated and available to open. Um, Because vulnerability is so hard because we have our armor on. 
And this is like a de-armoring process. You're taking off your armor and that's terrifying, but everything that you want is on the other side, the pleasure, the power. There's so much power that comes when you reclaim a place in your body and not power in the sense of now you have control of other people, but you have a presence that's undeniable. You are comfortable in your body. You are able to create in the world something that does affect other people. And you move Mm. in a way where people notice. And it comes from that reclamation within yourself. And whether that's a place in your body or in your past or in your family or in your mind, um, this practice is about reclamation and the power and the liberation through that and reclaiming anal sex as something that is so spiritual and it is such a gift and it's so opening and beautiful. So having a space that's beautiful that you can open. So churches are normally really beautiful because you want to go and experience holy. You want to have that connection and you want to have an experience when you're there. And the same with the body. Every text says that the body is the temple. And I take that very literally. Our body is our temple. Our body is our temple. What does that mean? It means that through our body is where we're going to experience life and start to notice the divine in other people and in ourselves. And reclaiming my asshole basically as part of this divinity was so important for me. And I, I have anxiety and it's something that I don't identify with as part of my personality, but it's something that I'm really compassionate with myself about. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I, I get anxiety. And back in the day before we had the clinical term anxiety, it was just bad nerves. And I come from a long line of women with bad nerves. Mm. And what that looked like was a lot of alcoholism and a lot of smallness, you know, small town living, not really traveling or growing or showing too much of yourself or opening your voice at all Um, because you couldn't handle it. It was overwhelming. And for me, um, one surefire way that I'm in my body, out of my head, really grounded is through my asshole. And it's something that takes practice. It's not like, oh, I've decided to reclaim my asshole and maybe you get it. Maybe, maybe that connection happens in one go, or maybe it takes time and you're just like, wow, today I looked at it in the mirror or today I felt it for the first time. Or maybe you do have a toy that you purchase that you're like, wow, this is going to be really special. I'm going to reclaim pleasure within my body and allow it to feel good. And I am safe with myself. If I'm not safe with anybody else, I have to be safe with myself. And knowing like, hey, oh, I really like this. Oh, hey, I really don't like this. And approaching it from that way as opposed to most people who are like, I saw this on porn. So most people are doing it. Let's just do it. And if it's something that you struggle with, if you have shame around anal sex, if you have shame around your body, it's a really great thing to take that personally. And instead of giving it to the hands of a partner of, Hey, make me feel good. Say, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to reclaim this. I'm going to empower myself and I'm going to give myself pleasure and I'm going to explore what feels good to me and what doesn't feel good to me. And why anal sex feels good is because we do have all these delicious nerve endings in this place in our body. For men, it's connected to your prostate. And for women, our clitoris is actually a huge structure that goes around our G-spot and our pelvic floor. And through our anal sphincter, a lot of times those nerves rub up against each other. It's just, we've been taught that's not okay. This shouldn't be pleasurable. Otherwise it says something about you. And so we shut it down 
we don't feel it or worse, we feel pain because we're like, oh no, no, I shouldn't be feeling pleasure from this. Mm-hmm. And because of many reasons, it's so important to go slow, to use lubrication, to breathe throughout the process and really let your nervous system adjust and slow and accept and open. Um, And it's so symbolic of how we can soften ourselves and open to experiences that we thought were painful. We can rewire our nervous system, literally rewire our nervous system to feel pleasure instead of pain. And that's how we can stop a lot of those patterns because patterns come from avoiding pain. And through anal sex, it's almost as if like, oh my God, something that used to hurt so much and was just dirty and wrong. I love, it's such a grounding process for me. It's so sacred So whether that's with a partner or just a practice with myself and a plug, it's like, oh my gosh, like I can do anything. Like something (laughs) that was so viscerally painful for me is now something that my body sometimes craves or wants. And it's just like, wow, I really can adjust my world in that way. I can shift how I feel. I can shift how I think. Okay. I have three things that I really need to say. Yes, please. <laughs> um, part one, uh, I feel like it is so necessary that we start a movement, hashtag reclaiming my asshole, please. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. I don't know what it looks like, but social media needs it. Mm. Two, uh, where were you when I was high school aged and I needed a proper sex education? You have said more in the last five minutes about proper sex education specifically for anal sex, which is great for like young gay people or gay men, especially Um, like, where were you? The world needs you, Amy Jindra world needs you. (laughs) Thank you. Third thing, this whole time I have really been thinking about how interesting it is. And I don't mean to specifically keep relating back to like gay men, but it's the world that I know. And it, I certainly don't want people to listen to this and think that I'm saying like, that's who anal sex is for. Um, it is, it's not, it can be for anybody and everybody, but, um, you mentioned something about like liberation and I've been sitting here thinking like, I wonder how much connection there truly is to like root chakra and anal play and like quite frankly, like the liberation and the openness of so many gay men who people are always like, I really wish that I could be like that or be that open or be that out and loud and proud and all these things. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, I wonder if there's a connection to that of like understanding their body and knowing like, do do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. You are making sense. Um, I, of course, I think that there is a link to it, but I wouldn't overgeneralize it and say across. Of course not. Because yeah. there's so many gay men that hold so much pain. And instead of letting the world see that pain, they put on a mask. And that's where you get the loud and proud. A lot of times, a lot of those, I've had clients who are very openly, like I've had clients that are drag queens that get on stage and like flaunt their sexuality and talk about sex and laugh and joke about it. But then in life, they're in so much pain and don't know where to put that pain. Um, so I wouldn't overgeneralize it. Of in course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say that there's something called post-traumatic growth. And we've heard of PTSD. We've heard of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, but PTG is where we actually grow because we've experienced trauma. And... In our society, there is a trauma when you realize that, hey, I'm gay or bisexual or fluid or transgender. Um, There is a stigma around that if there's something wrong with you. And it's not your voice. And it's not necessarily your parents' voice. It's society saying there's something wrong with you. And that causes trauma in your life. And 
when that happens, um, there's a study, there's a few studies going on around the growth that happens whenever we have experienced trauma. And what that looks like is, hey, you didn't accept me the first time. So why am I going to adhere to society's rules about me in in any way? Like I already don't fit in. So why am I going to suffer trying to fit in? So I'm just going to be my full self. Like you broke that chain. I broke the chain of, I don't fit into your standards. So I'm not going to hold that in any area of my life, whether that's my weight, whether that's my income, my race, my preferences, I'm going to be myself because it's already been proven that I can survive if you don't accept me. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm actually really glad that I said what I said because it let out that beautiful diamond of information. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that um, that's the beauty of humanity is that we fall into these structures of ignorance and of putting people into boxes of this is the way things are because I've seen it this way and this is just how things have always functioned. But then I think about America. I'm like, we are what, 250 years old? (laughs) I love when sentences start like that. (laughs) I was like, yes. (laughs) We are a baby. We don't know what's going to happen in 10,000 years. We don't have that kind of information. Um. So whenever we are like, this is how it is and how it's always been, I was like, it hasn't always been that way. We, we haven't been. We are like this science experiment, figuring out shit. Like, we don't know. <laughs> and America as a country and just our history and how kind of the blinders have been pulled off our faces pretty pretty violently in the past five years um, as a society and especially younger generations are going, wow, this really didn't work. Like there's got to be a different way to operate in a society that is more loving and effective and not about old white men getting richer and richer. And I bring that up because everything is connected And a lot of the shame that we hold in our body is not just because I was bullied when I was little or because I like girls. It's, it's systemic. It comes from energies that are much bigger than us and understanding the revolution of reclaiming who you are and reclaiming your body and actually enjoying life it has this huge effect on the world around us. And I forget that. I absolutely forget the effect that it has when I say no, or I stand up, or I love myself, or I'm just honest. And whenever I come to places that are more conservative or um, traditional, I'm like, wow, I am a walking revolution. (laughs) And you forget, you absolutely forget. Um, And it can be, it can be heavy at times. Um, You feel like you're running uphill. And I think that maybe your listeners may experience that from kind of just what I picked up on of who listens to your podcast. Like, odd men and women out. Like we're reading Thoreau and we're learning philosophies that our parents didn't believe in. It feels like you're running uphill. Mm -hmm. And if people can connect in any way to humanity and compassion and understand that it's okay, like it's scary. And I think there's it's a constant dance and reevaluation because you never know what conditioning you're still holding on to until you're like, wow, I'm so glad that's over. I'm so glad I don't believe that anymore. But when you're in it, that's what you believe. And we can't help it. We can't help ourselves. And I think that that's where um, really having strong boundaries. So you can do this work. It's like, 
okay, I'm going to reclaim my asshole. It's not just like, I'm going to have a date night. It's, I'm going to need some space. I'm going to need some quiet time. I'm going to need um, to be able to sit in by myself with my own energy and be okay with that. And these are very brave things. And I think sometimes as a teacher, I forget. I'm like, oh yeah, that is a revolution. And I'm like, but it's so important because I think a lot of times what we think we want, where we're like, oh my God, I want six figures. I want a hot partner. I want, I think now it's like that twin flame. I want my king or queen. And And it's just like a lot of times that's the fairy tale that is still been fed to us by mainstream media. It's still just the fairy tale. And, um, but we have to experience it and be like, Oh my gosh, like this is real love. And then six months later, you're like, okay, well that's over. And now I learned a well-balanced relation to love is me being able to speak up and go, wait, no, you're full of shit. Or no, I don't like this. Or that's bad behavior or that hurts me. And I think that applies to love. I think it applies to money. I think it applies to death and how we relate to death and so many things. Um, And that's all part of our conditioning. We're always going to have some sort of conditioning. Like we're, we're wired for connection and we connect in things that we see are alike. And it's not about shaming anybody. It's not, it's not about separation. It's really having compassion for ourselves of, I'm never really going to know when I've made it. And I'm never Mm. really going to know. And the only thing I can know is myself. The only thing that is true and that is consistent is me. Mm. I have this body and I am myself. And that's the foundation of a really good life. I, that's perfect. I came into this conversation exactly the way that you say that people come into the idea of like ass play in general of like, I was tense. I was nervous. I was thinking like, okay, you're just going to have to push through your own trauma and shame and just listen to the conversation. Like you're just going to have to do it. And the more that you talk and the more that you just say all these really beautiful things, I can feel myself like taking deeper breaths and saying like, you know what? I should have known that Amy was going to deliver something beautiful. (laughs) Like I thank you for everything that you've said and brought to the table. I think it's a really, really important conversation that a lot of people need to hear. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Um, before I let you go, before I go uh, just lay on the ground and revel in the beautiful feeling that I have in my heart right now, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Any last piece of advice or anything that you'd like the listeners to know? I uh, No. I feel really warm and complete in that. Um, and also know that I am a live person. So if there's someone that does resonate and wants to work with me or reach out to me, I am available. I am, I am a person. Perfect. And where <laughs> is the best place actually for people? Like what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? We were just having this conversation of me getting over my aversion to the internet. Um, so <laughs> My website is womanandme, A-N-D-M-E.com, but I really love Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at amy, A-M-Y, dot gendra. And I am just having really good connections and conversations with people through Instagram. And I'm just like, this is so fun. I'm like, this right before our call, I was like talking to someone in London that I met on Instagram. And like, I was just like, man, this is magic. This is 
So yes. cool. <laughs> I am regularly floored by the things that you post on Instagram. If I'm scrolling and they even just see like your little profile picture as I'm scrolling, I pause immediately. I'm like, read more, skim the comments, <laughs> read everything. Um, because you are just as informative on Instagram as you are in a podcast. So I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming back. I am looking forward to more conversations with you in the future and we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. All right. That was my conversation with Amy. Her work honestly continues to inspire me every single day, and I am so thankful for her presence in my life. So thanks again, Amy, for being here with me. Uh, Amy will be a featured contributor in the February 2020 issue of Diviner Magazine, which I produce myself. So if you are interested in seeing more of her work, as well as some more information on the topic of self-love, be sure that you head over to my website, thedivinerlife.com, and check out Club Divine. If you'd like to work with Amy one-on-one, she does offer four or seven weeks of Tantra coaching, uh, and you can check that out on her website by going to womanandme.com, or for more information, you can also check out her Instagram, amy.jindra. While you're out there following people, by the way, make sure that you're following me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me at The Diviner Life. And of course, you can also click the subscribe button wherever it is that you're listening in from today. That way, you're notified when newest episodes are launched and ready. Speaking of new episodes, be sure to check in next week for the next episode, episode three. I'll be chatting with author and healer Nicholas Pearson on the subject of science and the spirituality of crystals. Thanks for listening. Remember to share with your love interests, your partners, your Tantra teachers, or whoever else it is that you come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you, I appreciate you, and until next time, be true, be you, be omnist. <laughs>